Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one-and-a-half-cubic-foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. In episode 15, we take a look at Saturday's games as it was the first weekend for primetime NBA basketball. All that and more coming up next on the Off the Glass podcast. This is the Off the Glass podcast, offering a fresh, thought-provoking, intelligent perspective to the game of basketball. This is your host, Z. Thanks for joining me today. And on today's show, we're going to take a look at Saturday's games. It was, it was the first weekend of the primetime slate, the primetime schedule of NBA games. Now that the football is winding down here. And the opening game was between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the, it was a, a slaughter, to say the least, as Oklahoma City put up over 148 points. Cleveland looked, again, dismal on defense. The final score was actually 148 to 124. Westbrook finishes with 23 points, 20 assists. Paul George added 36 points. And the glaring thing that stands out has just been a broken record over and over and over and over again is Cleveland's defense. Um, It's very concerning watching um, them play. I don't know if this is a situation they're going to be able to fix long-term as everybody keeps talking about this proverbial switch that they're just going to flip once the playoffs get here. But this team is just different, and it's not even so much the obvious reason because Kyrie Irving's not there anymore and you're not, you know, penciling him or inking him in for 25 points is that, to me, they have way too many bad defenders. And, you know, at one point in time on the court, you know, you had D. Rose, you had Dwayne Wade, you had Cal Corver, Isaiah Thomas, uh, J.R. Smith has been struggling all season. Crowder is not the defender that he used to be. It's amazing how people sometimes earn these reputations in their league, in the league early on in their careers or you know, in their careers, but then when they start to slide off, nobody recognizes that their play at that position or what they have known for has fallen off. And Crowder has actually started to fall off as a defender, I would say going back two years ago at Boston. So he hasn't been the defender that they thought that they were getting in him. Um, Love was six, so he didn't even really, really play, but that's another poor defender. And you just look at – um. Oklahoma City stats. I mean, Paul George had had 36 on 19 shots. He was efficient. Melo had 29 on 19 shots. Steven Adams finished with 25 on. He was 12 for 13. He missed one shot. And a lot of his stuff was, you know, offensive rebounds and putbacks. As I'm looking at the stats, he finished with five offensive rebounds. He had a double-double. Melo had a double-double. Um, Westbrook uh, took 17 shots and finished with 23. And then you see the the, the 20 assists and the five turnovers. So overall, you know, Oklahoma City has seen the right, right the ship a little bit playing um, their best basketball in the last couple months as we get ready to head into the All-Star break. But this Cleveland thing, man, and even after the game, 
you know, they were fielding questions about, you know, Tyron Lue possibly getting fired. And um, everybody seemed to have a vote of confidence for Tyron Lue. I don't think LeBron's comments were too controversial, but I don't think they were super, super supportive of Tyron Lue either. You know, it was more or less like, you know, we don't want it to happen. We got to do better and all this. But it wasn't no Tyron Lue's my man. You know, he's our coach going forward. This loss is on me as the leader. You know, it really wasn't any of that being said. And, you know, throughout the whole week, you know, different things have been coming out the out the locker room, how, you know, they seem to not really, I don't want to say be getting along, but they're not all on the same page. You know, it was uh, Isaiah Thomas was stated as saying, you know, we don't even practice. So it's hard for me to get rhythm, rhythm on the court because I have to get my rhythm early on in the games and I didn't realize that they don't practice at all now they said the let since he made those statements you know they had started practicing a little bit more but I find that interesting that it took for him to make those statements for them to decide that practicing was important and I know it's an 82 game season so they're not going to practice every day like this is a high school team when they have don't have games or even a college team but normally in the NBA for example if you're on a road trip usually finish up your road trip you know, you might have a couple days off in between. You um, take that, usually that first day off, and that second day you come in, you do some film work, and then you get on the court and you do some, you know, do some work on the court. And it's not like they're doing three-hour, two-hour intense practices, but the good teams, they do their business. They come in for an hour, 15, hour, 30 minutes, including film at the most, get some shots up, get some reps, do some adjustments, you know, just kind of build that com- camaraderie on the court. And it makes sense because I know a lot of games, when you watch Cleveland play early on, they kind of hit or miss. They might come out hot. They might come out cold. And being disjointed like that or all over the place or up and down shows to me that it makes sense because they don't practice. And I understand they have an older team, and they're trying to conserve their legs and energy. And, you know, we're just trying to make it through the regular season because the real season starts in the playoffs. And, you know, I just don't agree with that. I just feel like anything you do, you have to practice. You have to have some type of rhythm. And if you need that much rest, then you need to retire. If you can't practice every once a week or twice every other week or whatever, however the NBA schedule, you know, shakes out, then that's an issue. And to be honest with you, it's not like they going super hard in practice anyway. It's just in there getting work in, getting some shots up, trying to keep the rhythm um, afterwards, getting treatment, any injuries, any things you may have be going on, you know, try to heal the body. So for them not to to um, practice is very disturbing to me and – as it stands, I just don't think Cleveland is is making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't think you can just ink them in anymore. I just see a lot of things. And I know LeBron is one person, and we don't like to bet against LeBron. And, you know, still realistically speaking, the main question is can any of these other teams, mainly Boston and Toronto, can they beat Cleveland four times in a seven-game series? I think this year, if it's going to happen, I think this is the year because I don't really think this is Cleveland's best product. I think Toronto has made some great changes to their roster. Um, They're playing well at home. they also playing well on the road. You know, they had a lot of tough games on the road. They kind of revamped the offense. It's not all predicated on what DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry's doing. It's much more ball movement. I know the easy thing, they say, oh, DeRozan is shooting threes, but it's not even really so much that. It's the fact that the ball's not sticking, it's moving. Uh, DeRozan is really picking his spots as he was named a starter to the uh, all-star team. And Boston is going to be there. Boston is going to play some solid defense. The question is, 
Are they going to be able to, again, make enough threes? It's talks and whispers of possibly get Gordon Haywood come back. And if he does come back, does he really have a true impact? But I think if this is the year that they get Cleveland, uh, I think this is the year barring some kind of trade. You know, we still have the trade deadline around the corner, and there's been rumors of them possibly targeting DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Anthony Davis, DeAndre Jordan, um, et cetera, et cetera. To me, the only trades that make sense are DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis is who they should really be pursuing. Um, even though I think Cousins is a tremendous talent, it's not like Cleveland has problems you know, scoring the ball. Their issue is is mainly defense. You know, it's not it's not an offensive issue. And Cousins leads the league if you watch them play in not being able to get back on defense. It's many a times when you watch the Pelicans play and you see them playing um four and four and five on, on defense. You know, cause as it stands right now, Cleveland is number twenty ninth in defense and with DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis. New Orleans is twenty second, so it's not like they're 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 you know burning up the stat sheet as far as defense goes. But if I was Cleveland, you would definitely want to tar- target Anthony Davis. So that brings me to this: the question is, well, what would they give up? I was talking about it on on live last night as I was watching Houston versus Golden State, and I was talking over with a couple guys on on online, and you know, shout out to Calvin for uh for Cal for chatting it up with me, chatted it up with Burgers a little bit, my man Tease, um, my my junior college roommate Kenny was on there a little bit. So, just, you know, shout out to those guys. But, you know, we made the comment, basically give up the whole team and that Brooklyn pick. And that tells you that if they do that, that they're either rolling the dice because LeBron's already stated. He's not going to give them confirmation if he's coming back next year. But he would be stupid to leave if they give up the Brooklyn pick, Kevin Love, um, Let's say Tristan Thompson, maybe a second-round pick, and whatever other person they want in the deal. Maybe they can get rid, get off of Shumpert's money, or maybe they can unload J.R. Smith to get Anthony Davis. If they do that, I do that trade in a second, and then that makes it a little bit more easier for them going into the playoffs. I don't think it solves the defensive issues overall, but if you get a talent and a player like Anthony Davis, uh, things will definitely look good um, going forward with Cleveland. And then the last part, too, I'm concerned about with Cleveland, is I'm rooting hard for Isaiah Thomas. I love his story. Unbelievable story. Super inspirational. But he just doesn't look like himself. And I'm hoping that it's more so he just needs to continue to get reps, continue to get familiarize himself with his teammates on the court going forward. Because if he is going to play like this, then it's not going to work going forward. It's just not. He's going to have to he's going to have to pick it up. Um, he doesn't look explosive. Um, he, he looks kind of unsure of himself. And that could be the fact, again, that he's just not comfortable um, out there playing with those guys. So um, if this is the year, like I said, to get to get Cleveland, this is going to be the year because as it stands right now, Boston still won. Toronto is two. Cleveland's three. Miami's, wow, Miami's been playing well. They're four right now. Um, they're actually eight, eight and two in their last ten, and Cleveland is three and seven. Wow, Milwaukee's eight, Indiana seven. They had a slip, Indiana, because Oladipo was out with a couple injuries. He missed time. Washington is hovering around right there at five. Um, been kind of up and down with John Wall this season due to injury. Bradley Beal has played well. So again, the only team, my two teams, I see as threats is Toronto 
and Boston, and it might even help this year for a change because in the past it didn't matter. LeBron didn't care. He played anywhere. But that home court advantage might actually might help this year, especially a team like Boston and Toronto because they both have young players. And as it stands right now, Boston is number one in defense, and Toronto, that's what you want. Toronto's right there at six. So um, two solid defensive teams. OKC, which is really, really, they've been playing lights out on defense. And, you know, Paul George is definitely, to me, should garner some consideration for um, defensive player of the year. His defense has been ex- has been exceptional. He's been very good on offense, very efficient as a two-way player. Um, you know, they kind of was able to do what I said they should have done from the beginning, you know, and I know they had to kind of figure it out and shake it out and sometimes ego and, you know, you're used to doing things a certain way. But I said that Paul George had to be their number two player and even though Westbrook sometimes I don't like his decision-making, he had to be the alpha. He had to be super aggressive. He had to be MVP-type Westbrook. And I'm sorry, Melo, he got the shoulder in the stick. And Melo has really turned into more of a catch-and-shoot player. They have really limited his ISO touches. He gets them sometimes when they have mismatches, especially when they do the the 1-3 one, um, one, or 1-4 pick-and-roll because he's playing more quote-unquote four these days, even though – I don't see what the big deal is because in, in the era, unless you got like a Steven Adams on the court, most of these guys, are I call this the era of positionless basketball anyway. So I never understood why it was such a big deal to um for Melo to say he want to play fours. Not like he has to play that many big time fours as far as size. But um, Oklahoma City has seemed to have righted the ship as it stands right now. Uh, let me switch over conferences. Um, let's see where we at with the West. Yeah, Oklahoma City is now currently fifth, six and four in their last ten. Um, they're right on the heels of of Minnesota now. San Antonio still plugging along. Houston's two. Golden State is one. Now, uh, Doc Rivers has gotten the Clippers in the eighth seed. Who would have saw that? Um, Portland is now six, and New Orleans is back in it at seven. Denver rounding out. So it's going to be a battle between those nine teams. I don't see Utah making the playoffs this year. Too many up and down injuries. Um, but Denver is right there. Them and the Clippers are going to battle it out for that AFC. But um, the only thing, like I said, not to sign a broken record, I see Oklahoma City is still the, the decision-making of Russell Westbrook. And when Cleveland was able to make a quote-unquote run and kind of do some things was when he was turning the ball over. So long as he could match in his turnovers – and his while still being aggressive, then Oklahoma City is going to be right there knocking on the door with Golden State and Houston. And I'm sorry, Spurs fans. Um, if Kawhi Leonard is not healthy, they have said shut him down. They're saying he's out indefinitely. And I thought it was because of the shoulder injury, they said. I was like, oh, no, nah, he must have torn a ligament. It must not have been muscle-related. But they're saying this is this quad again. And I, I got to I gotta admit, I need to do some research to find out what type of injury he could have in his quad that's just lingering like this. And the question is, if if it was like this from the beginning, I wonder why he opted not to have surgery. So before I get too deep into commenting on whether he should or should not have had surgery, I got to look it up because I'm not familiar with this quadriceps injury, but it's got to be a syndrome injury because they're holding on indefinitely. And when you hear words like indefinitely, that's, that's not good. So even though San Antonio's three and they could probably win a couple rounds because Aldridge has really really played well this year and and really seemed to get in his game back and definitely is going to be an all-star 
And, you know, you got to give credit to, to Popovich and his staff for admitting that they didn't treat that situation right. You know, they just expect because it's the San Antonio way that Aldridge should have just came in and conformed to him and changed their game. And while that sounds good in theory, sometimes that just doesn't work that way. And I think the sign of great coaching is being able to recognize ultimately what your player's strength and weaknesses are. And the fact that they tailored their offense around his strength, got him back closer to the box where he's comfortable, especially in that left block where he can shoot the turnaround jumper over the, over the shoulder, going baseline, or he can work his way into the middle for the hook. He's added a nice up-and-under move. If you take that right-hand jump hook away, he's able to come back through and finish with either his left hand. Um, he's just really had a great season. So, I, you know, I got to give Aldridge, Aldridge a lot of credit. He was able to, to get back to being the player that, that we knew he could be and as it stands right now, if I pull up his stats, he's averaging 22 points, eight rebounds. So he's he's above his career stats right now. He's shooting over close to 50% from the field, 35 from three and 83 from the foul line, and getting you over a block a game. So um, shout out to him for really turning it, turning it back around and getting back on track. So, you know, that brings us to, to game number two. But before we get to game number two, we're going to pause. We're going to take a quick break. Coming back after this on the other side of the break, more of the Off the Glass podcast. Let me ask you a question. Are you enjoying this content? If so, have you hit the subscribe button? Make sure to download. Make sure to head over to Spreaker. That's Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Also, you can find it on iTunes. If you also like reading the blog, make sure to go to www.theofftheglasspodcast.com. Check the blog out. Let's grow this thing. Thank you for those who have been supporting, but let's continue to grow this thing. Welcome back to the Off The Glass Podcast. And prior to the break, we were talking about the first game between Cleveland and Oklahoma City. Now we're going to head to the primetime nightcap. In many people's eyes, including myself, this is a preview of possibly the, the Western Conference Finals. And that was, of course, the, the nightcap between Golden State and Houston as Houston was able to win 116-108. to 108. Um, I mean, the thing that obviously jumps out, and I'm going to pull up the box score because I want to see the final number, was um, the turnovers by Golden State. I mean, 19 turnovers is just way too many turnovers. Um, Durant with four, Draymond with five, Steph with six. You know, when you're, you know, top players like that by themselves account for um, 15 turnovers, like that's that's just not going to get it done. And it allowed – a team like Houston kind of hang around and stay in things. And it even, you could tell, it even reflects in a plus-minus, even though plus-minus isn't an end-all, be-all. But one thing's for sure sometimes with, when guys play bad, they plus-minus really affects it. So Kevin Durant was a negative 10. Draymond was a negative 5. And uh, Steph was a, was a negative 11. And then on the flip side, when you look at Houston stats, um, Chris Paul finishes with 33 points. Shot 50% from the field. Harden had 22. Chris Paul had 11 rebounds, 7 assists. Harden had 8 assists, 2 rebounds. They had, uh, Anderson was able to get him 13 rebounds. Uh, Luke Rashad, Bob Muth, they had 14 points. Capella had 18 points. And 
Capella gets my vote for uh, most improved this season. He's really looked really strong out there. P.J. Tucker even gave him 12 points, so a good team win for them. Uh, Eric Gordon didn't have one of his better games, going two for 14. Nene gave him some good minutes. But, again, what stood out watching this game yesterday, two things. Let's finish with Golden State. Golden State, I, I don't understand sometimes. I don't know if it's just a lack of uh, attention to detail I don't know if they get bored, but they just get very, very sloppy sometimes. And this is one of their games where um, if they don't turn the ball over, they easily win this game. And it just shows you how potent this offense is and how great of a team they are because they still was – it was still a game even late. You know, it was a couple times where if Steph would have made the right three read, instead of kicking it out for um, Clay on one three, he should have hit KD for the layup or the dunk. They had a play design play where he went to Clay again, and Kevin KD came out wide open on the on the left um, elbow right there for a wide open three, and, and Steph missed the read. So I don't know what it is, but I'm not going to be too concerned because they're that superior talent-wise. But what it shows you, though, is that the gap has closed a little bit in the Western Conference by Houston averaging uh, – um, excuse me, adding Chris Paul. That it shows that you're not going to be able to just – throw the ball around and play lackadaisical, be sloppy with the ball and think you're going to still come out and win. Because all it takes is for Houston to get hot shooting these threes. I mean, they have so many threes made. They take by far the the most defense, the most threes by far than any other team. They don't shoot a high percentage, but they definitely shoot the most threes. Let me see if I could pull it up real quick. I had it up earlier. Because they're number two in offensive rating right behind Golden State. I mean, that's not surprising. I'm just looking at the stats. That's interesting. The Lakers leading pace. <laughs> Lakers and Philly leading pace, but they're also one and two in turnovers. So that doesn't necessarily mean playing fast is good if you're turning the ball over. But, um, you know, back to last night's game, um, you know, with Golden State, you know, they're going to have to clean that up. Um, of course, they had no Jordan Bell. They had no um, no Eagle Dollar last night. And um, I'm trying to think it was one more person that didn't play for them. They got no minutes from Caspi. But more importantly, they had no Jordan Bell and no Eagle Dollar, and they still only lose by eight. So, And that was more so the free throws at the end because, again, they had a chance to either take the lead or tie it up with under two minutes left to go in the game. Now, on to Houston. You know, they was asking James Harden, Chris Paul, you know, how was this win? You know, how does that bowl going forward? And again, it always gives you confidence when you're able to beat a team, especially a team that you know you're going to have to get past if you have any hopes or any aspirations of winning a championship this year. But this is the thing that disturbs me about Houston. And I'm not going to criticize D'Antoni. I'm going to say this with perspective. I understand that D'Antoni changed the the modern game, especially NBA game with the seven seconds or less, with the high ball screen, the pick and roll and everything. And the frustrating part is when you watch um, Houston play, they have some great sets at times. You know, they have the some stuff they do out of horns set with the high two bigs, high to pick uh, top of the key that no other team does. They do some good stagger things. Uh, Chris Paul and James Harden, both of them, when one of them is off the ball. Um, they run the, the Spanish pick and roll really well, which is where they had the big come up and set the back screen on the other big as he rolls, and then they pop. Sometimes they do it with Anderson. Like, they run really good stuff. 
And it's like when they draw it up in a timeout, they come out, they either get a wide open shot or they score. But then, as I saw a lot of of last night, was a lot of um, pro-am ball, I call it. And it was more or less like, Chris Paul, let me see if I can get this mismatch. Everybody spread the court, and then I'm going to dribble the ball for eight to nine, ten seconds, trying to set up these moves. And Chris Paul, you just he's just not athletic. And it was many times last night he was trying to do these moves to create separation, and he was getting his shot blocked. Even James Harden, I remember, got his shot blocked twice on step backs. And I know he's coming off the hamstring, so um, Paul was handling the ball more. But even when Harden handles the ball, he does the same thing. Again, I go back to that Boston game, and everybody was talking about how Marcus Smart – you know, drew those charges and how um, it wasn't a charge and all that. But it shouldn't even have came down to that because Houston was up in that game when they was running their stuff. They was getting great shots. James Harden was playing downhill. But too many times this season, they get into this mode when they play this iso ball and it's just a bunch of dribbles and then this tough contested step-back shots or even contested shots at the rim. And if they're not making those shots and not getting fouled, it's just terrible offense. And, like, for me, I always like to look with, again, perspective and then big picture. Like you're not going to win a championship. You're not going to beat Golden State. You might not even beat San Antonio because that's what happened to them last year. Even though Kawhi didn't even play in that last game they got blown out of was the fact that they offense gets too stagnant and they get in these moments when they start doing this ISO, trying to get these switches, and I'm going to do a bunch of dribbles. So even though they got the win um, – they are much improved, again, with Bob Mute and Tucker. It's not even so much the, the defense. Like, don't get me wrong, that's important. But the fact that those guys are able to knock down some open shots helps keep them on the court where their defense can be effective. And it definitely, with Tucker, gives them some edge and give them some toughness. Now, I will say this, Trevor Ariza didn't play because of the suspicion, because of the nonsense between them and um, the Los Angeles Clippers. And um, Gerald Green got suspended too, which I thought was – was hilarious. You know, he must be one of them dudes. Like, he on your team. He riding. He down with you. Like, bro, you been there for five minutes, and you over in the locker room trying to fight. Um, but I, I guess he one of them guys that kind of get down like that. And real quick, I don't want to jump off into a tangent, but I did want to say this, that, you know, the fact that you going in the locker rooms and all this stuff, like, that was real clownish. I don't know what the issue is with CP3 and Blake. If they really was that upset with each other, you saw each other every day on the same team. Y'all should have fought, fought and got that over it and please can somebody please knock out Austin Rivers I don't know why he thinks he's this great guy ball player don't get me wrong he's playing some of his best basketball the last two years but this whole fake tough guy thing with him has to stop all this talking from the bitch like you a 12-time all-star MVP candidate guy you got you gotta knock it off Austin like we gotta knock it off for real and while I'm on this tangent real quick you know can we also put to bed that these guys aren't tough and the only reason why I'm saying that, I just want to offer a different perspective. We keep saying these guys are, are not tough, and they always be like, hold me back, you know, hold me back moments. But the NBA decided years ago, a decade and a half ago, that they were going to get fighting at the game. They thought it was ugly to the game. They didn't want to have these low-scoring games. We remember those of us who are old enough how those games used to look between uh, the New York Knicks and the Pacers in the 90s, you know, 88 to 86, and, you know, I know some of the older school guys, like these guys don't know how to give a hard foul and play tough. But, I mean, you look back at some of them plays. Thank God that Michael Jordan wasn't seriously hurt. Thank God that Kurt Rambis wasn't seriously hurt when Kevin McHale pushed him out the air. Like, to me, all that stuff is kind of silly. And to say that that's toughness, no, that's just playing dirty. 
And, you know, the point I'm making is that the league made a conscious effort to get those kind of plays and fighting out the game. So anytime you get into any kind of altercation, a technical can cost you 10 to 15 grand. If you get ejected, it's 30 grand. You can get suspended for games like guys ain't trying to fight and lose that kind of money. So in my opinion, I don't know how tough some of these guys really are anyway, because the league, because of the rules, don't let you fight anyway. So just kind of want to comment on that real quick. But back to uh, the game. Um you know, Houston, again, like I said, with the, the additions they made with not just adding Chris Paul, they're definitely going to be improved. But if they're going to play offense like that, you're not going to be Golden State. You might not even be Oklahoma City, especially the way Oklahoma City is defending if Westbrook can keep his head on straight. And you might not even be a Popovich-led Spurs team because if you're going to play def- offense like that, it makes it super easy to um, scheme, super easy to zone up off the ball. And you're going to have to just shoot a bunch of threes. And if you're relying on making a bunch of threes consistently, I'm not saying that shooting jump shots don't win championships, but the way they play, it puts a lot of pressure on them to have to really make um, contested end-of-the-shot-clock type shots. It's different when you have good ball movement or good player movement or even penetration into the paint and you're kicking out for open threes. But when you're taking contested end-of-shot-clock step-back threes or – you know, I can't make get by my man, so I'm gonna throw you the ball late in the shot clock, and you gotta shoot a, a three under the rest. That's that's not good offense. So just kind of wanted to stop by here real quick on a Sunday evening, weigh in on uh, the Saturday night games. Um, as we're going forward again, the NFL season is about to be over, so we're gonna have more primetime games to commentate. I'm gonna do more um, games on Facebook Live when I sit back and just watch the game, comment, see who wants to wants to talk, chat it up. Hopefully I could bring um, a couple people on to talk with me as we watch the first half of a game. I don't think I'm going to ever do the whole game, but maybe do a first half or a second half of a game going forward. Again, this has been your host Z. Thanks for listening to the Off the Glass podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, download wherever you, uh, you get your podcast from. This has been uh, another edition. Stay safe out there. Peace. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one one-and-a-half cubic foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Lowe's knows you'll do spring right by saving on what you need to get your lawn and garden in shape. We do it right, too, with deals to help you save every day, like four bags of premium mulch now for just $10. And buy one one one-and-a-half cubic foot bag of miracle Grow vegetable and herb garden soil. Get a Bonnie Basics plant for free. Whatever's on your spring to-do list, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through 5-1 while supplies last. Bonnie offer valid on select 11.8-ounce pots. Valid in-store only. See store for details. U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.